So it's a blessing to to be a preacher for a, a few minutes. Do you want me down there or up here? You're fine. I'm just trying to stop so it doesn't. I kind of want to stand behind this. So that'd be cool. <laughs> if I really get going, I can grip it and. Okay. <laughs> We're going to look tonight in First Peter chapter two. Okay, so I had the privilege of sharing at Birdsview the other day, and um, I got down there, and I had prepared and, and got into the service. It was really my family made up half of the congregation, at least more than half the congregation that day. So I was, this is just like family devotions, except for John and Sandy were there. And I thought, boy, those guys don't trust me at all. They're going to check on me. But it turns out they had already booked a vacation before I was ever in the, in the scene there. So I, I guess I was wrong. So, um, okay, so let's look at sec, 1 Peter chapter 2. And um, I caveat this with I am not a King James only guy. But I am, I have just been brought up with the King James Bible as the Bible I'm used to. So I'm going to be uh, reading out of the King James Bible, which hopefully will be a, a blessing um, to hear this ancient English version. So um, I, I wanted to preach initially, um, well, what, what, um, what verse caught my attention was at the end and we'll get to that at the end. But so I prepared a message and I said, well, here's the context. So I ended up preparing a message on the context of 1 Peter chapter 2. So let me pray quickly and we will have a little Bible study together. Father in heaven, I just thank you for a chance to be here with my Christian family, Lord. And I thank you for our unity as Christians and our unity as students of the word of God and, and people that desire to to know the Lord Jesus Christ and to live lives that are acceptable, Lord, in your sight. And um, I pray, Lord, that tonight as I study, Lord, that, that you would take um, whatever I have here, Lord, and, and that it would be helpful, Lord God, to all of us. I pray that the Holy Spirit would be instructing us, Lord, and ask you, Lord, to bless this time. I pray that you would be glorified through it, Lord. In Jesus' name I ask, amen. Okay. So here we go. First Peter chapter 2. Let's read the whole chapter together. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. If so be, you have tasted that the Lord is gracious to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. You also as living stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer, offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore, also it is contained in the scripture, behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, 
and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors, as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God, that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward, or that could say also to the, the cruel, the perverse, the unjust. For this is thankworthy, if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully, for what glory is it if, when you be buffeted for your faults, you shall take it patiently? But if, when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Who, his own self, bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed." For ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. In verse 9, there is a call. And it says that we are chosen to be priests. And we are, we are called to show forth his praises. Verse 9 says, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him 
who hath called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. The type of priests that we are, we are living priests. We are spiritual priests. And we are holy priests. In verse 5 it says, You also as, as living stones are built up a spiritual house. We are living because God is a God of the living and all of his creation shows life. And our spiritual experience is a living spiritual experience which reproduces. In verse 4 and 5, the sacrifices we give are spiritual sacrifices. Those are sacrifices which can be done only by the grace of God working in our life. It says that our sacrifices are accepted because they are to God by Jesus Christ in verse 5. You also as, as living stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, a spiritual sacrifice to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So we have been saved as we have trusted in Christ and then we have been called to become spiritual priests, to offer up our lives as living sacrifices. And the only reason our sacrifices can be accepted is by Jesus Christ. And I think that's a, that's a theme that is sung about frequently at this church. And I think this church doctrinally gets that, that it's not our works, but it's our works through Jesus Christ working in us. It's interesting that um, one of the sacrifices I think God calls us to make as Christians is the sacrifice of time studying the word of God. And that was brought to me clearly as I, as I was reminded that this quote here in um, verse 6 is a quote out of the Old Testament. Let me read it again in, in the New Testament. Wherefore, and the commentator I, I was reading said that's a horrible translation. It should really be because. So I'm going to say because it is contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Confounded could be better translated, shall be put to shame. So it's contained in the scripture. If we are to really appreciate the Bible... We need to know where this is contained and what the context of it is. So let's quickly turn back to Isaiah chapter 28 and let's see this in context. Isaiah 28. And the verse is verse 16. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. Make haste is also potentially, we could find better English for that. 
he that believeth shall not flee. And the context is Isaiah was prophet during the reign of a number of the kings of Israel. I believe it's Israel, not Judah. Well, I mean, the context of that. And if we turn to um, 2 Kings 16, or excuse me, 2 Kings 17, 6 through 15, we'll see some of what was going on. Why would Isaiah write this verse? And I say that the um, sacrifice of Bible study because God has these gems and I am of the opinion that sometimes God speaks in mysteries in the scripture and it, he, it, he doesn't necessarily spell it all out for us because he wants us to dig and have the joy of putting the pieces together. And in 2 Kings 17, we see some of the context from which Isaiah is, is writing. These guys are struggling with neighboring armies coming in and trying to take them out. And instead of turning to the Lord, they were looking to the ways of, of the pagans. Verse 6, 2 Kings, I'm in 1 Kings, okay. Eighteen four through 5. Now this is talking about um, Hezekiah. Oh, 2 Kings 17, 6 through 15. I'm sorry, I got that. I'm jumping around on my own. I'll get to the next one. 2 Kings 17, 6 through 15. Then the king of Assyria came out throughout all the land and went up to Samaria and besieged it three years. In the ninth year of Hoshea, the king of Assyria... The king of Assyria took Samaria and carried Israel away unto Assyria and placed them in Halal and in Habor by the river Gozan, the cities of the Medes. For so it was that the children of Israel had sinned against the Lord their God, which had brought them up out of the land of Egypt from under the hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and had feared other gods and walked in the statutes of the heathen, whom the Lord cast out from before the children of Israel and of the kings of Israel, which, which they had made. And the children of Israel did secretly those things which were not right against the Lord their God. And they built them high places in all their cities from the tower of the watchmen to the fenced city. And they set them up images in groves in every high hill and under every green tree. And there they burnt incense in all the high places, as did the heathen whom the Lord carried away before them. And wrought wicked things to provoke the Lord to anger. For they served idols. Wherefore the Lord had said unto them, Ye shall not do this thing. Yet the Lord testified against Israel and against Judah by all the prophets and, and by all the seers, saying, Turn you from your evil ways and keep my commandments and my statutes, according to all the law which I commanded your fathers and which I sent to you by my servants, the prophets. Notwithstanding, they would not hear, but harder than necks, like to the neck of their fathers, they did not believe in the Lord their God. And they rejected his statutes and his covenant that he made with their fathers and his testimony, testimonies, which he testified against them. And they followed vanity and became vain and went after the heathen that were round about them, concerning whom the Lord had charged them that they should not do like them. And it goes on. And so they had been, they had been taken into captivity. And if I am understanding the scriptures correctly, 
which is the, um, with the sacrifice of study, that the contents of um, I Isaiah's reference here is that um, if you turn to the Lord, you shall not, if, if you follow God, it says, whoever turns to him shall not be ashamed, they shall not flee. And, and then the New Testament expounds upon that, about who the, the, um, the cornerstone is, and that cornerstone is Christ, Isaiah 20, 28. So Isaiah 28 is the prophet, Kings is the context, and, um, and then it's coming to, it's coming to full um, understanding, or not maybe full understanding, but more understanding in 1 Peter chapter 2. And I hope that... Um, that I can be a man that is in the word so much that I am getting the gems that God wants to put down. I have a young man in my life who's a friend of mine through, through family connections, and he's actually in jail right now. And um, his heart is very soft, and he, is, he, he has a Christian profession. And um, he's called me a few times from jail, and then I'll have a conversation with him, which costs me about $14.80. To, to talk to him, and um, but um, he said he's reading through the scriptures, and um, well, I asked him how he's called me over the over a few months. I said, well, how, how, where are you at now? And he hasn't really gone that far. And I said, man, you gotta you gotta pick it up. You know, you gotta be reading a couple. If you were to read, you know, sixteen chapters a day, you'd be through the Bible by the time you're out of there. Um, and whatever I tell this young man to do, he just says, yep, I'll do it. And, um, well, the next day I'm having my quiet time and I had, I had a lot I wanted to do and I, I had some space before work that I could choose what I was going to do and I had other things I wanted to do, but um, I had read some Psalms and Proverbs and I was like, I got to go. And what went off in my mind was, you were just telling that guy yesterday that he needs to read through the Bible and, um, and I said, Lord, I'm going to commit myself and I made a sacrifice. I'm going to commit myself to reading for 20 minutes of, of the Old Testament because that's where I was going through. And it was amazing in that time, that 20 minutes that I put, stopped my, started my watch and forced myself to do that, I got all these blessings. I got, I got excited. I, I got fire. And, um, and it was just interesting for me to see that that is a sacrifice that I need to keep making, the sacrifice of being in the Word. And um, it's interesting because we're going to see here in the Scripture, it says, not with hypocrisies. And I think if I'm telling somebody else to be in the Word, but I'm not being in the Word myself, because um, it's, one, it's one thing to read a psalm and a proverb and get a devotional um, fuzzy, but it's another thing to get into the Word and, and try and, and, and work through it. So, um, so that, was, that was good for me. So, so here we are in um, 1 Peter chapter 2, and um, we are seeing that we are called to um, be these spiritual, um, to offer sacrifices we have some scriptures here that we could see if we were to look at the life of Ahaz and the life of Hezekiah. Um, I don't think we're going to turn there right now, but we'd see that the scripture says that Ahaz didn't follow the Lord. He didn't follow the pattern of David. He raised up high places and he worshiped God according to the ways of the pagans. And then we look at Hezekiah and we see Hezekiah tore down the high places. He worshiped God according to um, according to God's commandments. And I think that in some respect, all of our lives are being observed as to the, the sacrifices that we are offering God in our lives. 
Um, what and what sacrifices are are we bringing as as living spiritual holy people? And so some of the context I think that is following this talks about what those acceptable sacrifices um, will look like. In verse 11, let's see what the scripture says. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. It was interesting that the um, brother Andrew this morning, um, who I was... It was great. It was like that guy was a professional preacher, anointed. He was professional in his content, and he was, I think, filled with the spirit in 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 um, in, in the work there. So praise the Lord. That was that was wonderful. John 13, Christ washing the disciples' um, feet, and it says in the beginning of that, it said he knew. I paraphrase. I believe it says he knew he was from the Father, and he knew he was returning to the Father. And, and then it goes on to show what he did. And here we have something similar. It says, for you guys, for us, dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims. We are to know that, that all of our spiritual sacrifices are done in the context of we are, we are not part of this world. We are passing through and we will be judged um, by the Lord and we will also be accepted by the Lord and so if we hold that as we go through every day, um, it's, it's going to give us the, the perspective to serve God, our temporariness. So we are instructed here in light of the fact that we are dearly beloved, that we are, that we are priests, that we are holy, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. So we are, we are to abstain. We are to guard what goes into the eye gate. We are to guard what goes into the, the ear gate. And we are to guard what comes out of the, what comes out of the mouth. And um, let, us, let, us just take that, let us just take that from the scriptures tonight, that we are, be aware that if we expose ourselves to wickedness, that we are... We are giving um, the enemy power in our life because there is a war going on. There is a war going on us. And, and it's interesting. It's carnal lusts. How, how carnal and fallen we are. And don't we need the work of God to, to, to let us live out the holiness. So we are to abstain from fleshly lusts. And then it says in verse 12, having our conversation honest among the Gentiles. So here are some admonitions, and I just make straightforward paraphrases of what the Word of God is saying. Our conversation is King James language for our lifestyle. And our lifestyle, the way we conduct our business, must be honest among the Gentiles, among the world around us. That whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. We, in, in the context of, of Peter, they were, um, they were, there's persecution going on then, and, and we don't have that. But they were being told that the Christians are, are bad people, the, and, and I believe Christians were being martyred. And Peter is saying, you must live good lives. There can be no 
there can be nothing that um, people should be able to say against you um, for the cause of Christ. Our submission protects us from being targeted by the government and does not give the world opportunity to blaspheme Christ. One commentator wrote, in order not to bring discredit upon his teaching and persecution upon his church, at the date of St. Peter's letter, there was much more immediate cause for laying stress on political subordination. St. Paul, writing to the Roman church, urges submission to Claudius because the Roman Jews, among whom the Christians were reckoned, were often in trouble and expelled from the city of Rome. St. Peter, writing in all probability from the Roman church, urges submission to Nero and the provisional governors because ignorant and foolish men were beginning to misrepresent the Christian church as a kind of internationalist or socialist conspiracy. And that's where it says um, in verse 13 and 14 how we're supposed to submit ourselves to, to the governors. But the world wants to, the world wants to speak ill of Christians and it's, it's our job as Christians to guard the testimony of believers by being honest. And I wish I could understand, um, I wish I could understand glorify God on the day of visitation. I'm not sure that I can speak on that. Is it when the Lord returns that the Christians will say, um, indeed, we have seen these people and we knew, we knew you were the true God by the lifestyle of these people. And God will get glory by, sh by bringing up the witness of his church in the earth. I'm not sure. Okay, let me see if I, my notes that I had make sense. Our submission silences our critics in verse 15. For so is the will of God that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. We silence our critics by well-doing. For God's will, that with well-doing we silence our critics. How do we silence our critics? Well-doing, put to silence, to muzzle or gag. Now, I think it's worth saying that this is a... This is a um, I jumped over the verses, so I'm not helping us with, with keeping the, the context here. Let's read verse 13 and 14. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake whether it be the king as supreme or unto governors, as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. So what's the job of the governors? To punish evildoers, to, to encourage those that do well. But it says in verse 13, submit yourselves to every ordinance for the Lord's sake. And I've got I've to say that isn't that a sacrifice? Don't you just hate that verse? Isn't that like the worst verse in the Bible? Raise your hand if, that's, if you guys struggle with that verse. Um, for me, that's the verse I struggle with. Um, I don't like rules, and I, don't, I, I think that this used to be the land of the free and the home of the brave, but I think it's the, the land of the, um, the rules and the home of the sissies sometimes. But um, I tell you, there's so many rules, but we have to, we have, the God tells us that we've got to keep the rules. And that is a sacrifice. Mr. Little, maybe you need to talk to me afterwards. I don't know. <laughs> There's a lot of rules. I'm building a house. There's a lot of rules. I'm driving down the road. 
keep the speed limit. Mr. Little is five miles over the speed limit, breaking the speed limit. It is? Oh, come on. But you don't pull somebody over for going five miles over, do you? Okay, good. So it's the spirit of the law? Okay, so we're supposed to, as you see, I'm looking for loopholes. I'm looking, for, I'm looking hard for gray areas. Man. So this is a sacrifice. Submitting ourselves to every ordinance. But why do we do it? For the Lord's sake. The Lord's sake. This is why we do it. Because it's, it's, can I give the Lord that sacrifice of not justifying going five miles over? That's a hard one. But that's, that would be obeying the word of God. For so is the will of God that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Because foolish men, perhaps if I did the speed limit, I could honestly put a, a Jesus sticker on the back of my car. <laughs> and that's the reason I don't. It's, I know I don't always drive good. But um, that may be, if you see, if you see me with the, with the Jesus sticker, you know I've repented. <laughs> we'll see. Um, for this is the will of God, that you put to silence our good conduct is to silence people's, um, people's reproach against us. I have in my notes here from the last time um, our president, whom I think many of us in this room are rooting for, for the good things that he is trying to do for this, the traditions of this great country. But we all shake our heads and say, you. If, if only you had been squeaky clean, you would have been more effective. And um, if there was less trash on you, you'd be more effective. And, and we pray for him that, um, that, that he would be able to stay strong. And I want to actually put a plug in for, um, for this Monday night prayer group. It says where um, two or three are gathered, there am I in the midst of them. Um, and... Um, I think that if we could get some more guys going, what if, because right now we've got like four guys going. I had a chance to speak to somebody, a congressman in, in the U.S. government who's a friend of my, my parents, and we actually talked on the phone um, a couple nights ago. Um, he's the congressman from Colorado, and he's a Christian man, and I was able to say to him, thank you for what you are doing, standing for Christ and Constitution. I am praying for you. I was able to give this man encouragement. And, and I know that we are praying for our government in our Monday night group. And so I could say that because we have been praying for him, praying for, our, praying for this country. And um, there was just a Muslim um, accepted to Congress for the state of Michigan, right? That's, you guys know about that? So um, that's, in, that's, that's pretty serious. I mean, where... We need to be praying for this nation because um, a Muslim um, loyalty is to, um, to Allah, not to our God. And if you're loyal to Allah, you're going to be loyal to Sharia law. And Sharia law trumps American law. There's a whole, there's a whole, um, there's, a, there's, 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 a, there's a lot to be concerned about there. And so um, we need to be praying for this, this country. And that's something we can do as men on, on, on Monday nights at, at um, at 8 o'clock. 
So, so the sacrifice of submission to, 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 to silence those that have, that have um, ill against us because they are looking to criticize us. I said, um, consider Daniel, the prophet Daniel, when um, his fellow um, politicians, um, government servants wanted to take him out. They said, there's nothing we can find out, nothing we can get against him, except for the fact that we have to, we have to catch him in following the law of his God, because we know he will do that. And that's what they did. They, they, um, they found Daniel praying when they had made a rule not to pray. Let us be like Daniel, who the only thing that, that can be found out against us is that we are, are following our, our God. 16. As free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. Cloak of maliciousness would be more easily understood as your freedom is not an excuse for evil. So we are free. We are free not to bow to Caesar. We are free in that we have a, another kingdom. We are free in that we are not under the law. But we use all of these freedoms so that, not so that we can have any excuse to do wickedness. We use our freedoms so that we can serve God. In verse 17, we are to honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. I praise the Lord for um, the ease it is to be with Christians. I, I, I'm, I, I rejoice that I have Christians that have the, um, the same common, common goals as I do. I don't find that. I'm excited to be with guys that put me in a room with a bunch of guys that climb trees and I'm at a, I'm at a workshop and I love that. I love being with those guys because I relate to them, but I can only go so far, and there's always this massive disconnect um, because we don't ha we don't share Christ. And I would rather be in a room with fellow Christians than be in a room with a bunch of guys who I connect with on a tree level because you are we are brethren. And then it says honor all men um, in verse 17. And there again is a, is a sacrifice for us as Christians. We as Christians don't have the right to be rude to anybody. We as Christians are to, um, as it says, if you look at verse 1, um, wherefore laying aside all malice, all guile, and hypocrisies, and envies, and all evil speakings, it all needs to be out of our life. And we are called to, to honor all men. Let us not be conservative Christians who think we're better than other people, who, um, who think that because we we have good doctrine and we go to church all the time, that we're better than others, that we can look down at others. Um, we are to be kind and patient to all men, fearing God, honoring the king. Now I have a couple more pages of notes. I actually shifted and, and gave a little bit of a different emphasis in this message to the one that I did at Bird's View. That's because I have ADD and I couldn't do the same thing. I had to... I got distracted. So uh, my other headings, as I wrap it up, is the, is the was the power of our submission, which I think is is this is this is just wonderful. In verse nineteen, um, this is thankworthy. For this is thankworthy, 
I don't know how, what, what a modern translation puts that as, maybe praiseworthy. If a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully, it is, and, and there's a Greek word in that word, thankfully, that has, a, has the same root as charis, which is grace. And it's, so I took from that, this is grace. This is God working in you. If you can, for conscience toward God, endure grief, suffering wrongfully. And this is really the, 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 um, the, the meat of the rest of this chapter, is that we are to take abuse and let the grace of God flow through our life and take abuse. And then it says in verse 20 at the end, you take it patiently. This is acceptable with God. If we take abuse in this world, we are giving God an acceptable sacrifice. And there's a warning here. There's no glory in taking abuse because we have acted foolishly. There's no praise in that. Let us act with discernment and good judgment and self-control so, so that we do not catch ourselves taking abuse because of our own foolish actions. But God will work his grace through us that if we as Christians take abuse for godly decisions, his grace is going to work through us and we will have an acceptable sacrifice. That is one of our acceptable sacrifices. And then it says in verse 21, for this is what you were called to, for even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. So this is our calling. Why am I, why are these people giving me grief? Because that is God's plan for you. God's plan, God is giving you an opportunity to give an acceptable sacrifice by enduring that, by not taking attitude, by not acting in kind, by not acting the same. That's what the world does. The world pulls down their window and shouts at somebody who they didn't like in traffic. Christians don't do that. We, the context here, however, is if you suffer for Christ, that is a blessing. And may it be that the decisions we make are Christian decisions. And if we realize that I have to make a decision, if I make this decision, which I believe would be a sacrificial, godly decision, I'm going to suffer for it then that's the one you've got to make because God has ordained that you suffer for that. And if you do so, that is acceptable. It says in verse 21 that you were called to that because of our example in verse 23, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he was spoken foully to, he did not return in foulness. When he suffered, he did not lift up his... his um, he did not lift up his fist and threaten. Instead, he committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. And we can think of Philippians chapter 2, which says, because he did this thing of, of the death of the cross, that God has given him a name that is above every name. 
And so that is our reward. Our rewards will be given to us when we suffer for God. We are saved. And that's, that will get us into heaven. But we will, we will receive reward. And we will be exalted if we suffer. Which is what the sermon was about this morning. Is if we take that low place. Who is, in verse 24, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. For you were a sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. So therefore there is protection for us as we draw near to the Lord and we identify and suffer with him. We are in the protection of our shepherd and we are we are we are with the bishop of our souls okay that's that's the exhortation i bring tonight amen